Game of the year will have to wait. Games of 2022. Apparently, I have to quickly note that I'm apparently supposed to be J. Jonah Jameson in all of the openings now. Yeah. So that was what happened there. Uh, and I would like to cap that off with a bring me pictures of Spider-Man. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is Triangle Squared episode 243. And we are yes. back after a very odd period of rotations in and out. And I hate to tell you guys, that's not quite done yet. Uh, originally, we were going to do game of the year. And then stuff happened with Chris. And then Chris ended up with COVID. But he's here through the COVID and the flames all that (laughs) Uh, anyway so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer because we weren't sure he was going to be on today until very last minute so we are still holding off i've got to be out of town last uh next weekend and i think the following weekend saul's out of town yep so i would say right now expect the last episode of january to be when we talk about game of the year now the hidden upside here is that we have more time to play some of the games that we would like to talk about in relation to game of the year so that's not that bad yeah, I started um, Psychonauts 2 yesterday. Yeah, so to kind of speak about what we've been playing and what we intend to play as we kind of go forward, we're going to start to show off in the time-honored way. So with that, I guess the first thing i got to do is tell you that this is Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, and I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is... Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing y'all lucky episode 40, 243, and alongside me is Mr... Oh, Chris Fix. <laughs> you you change it up on me like every week. Sometimes you'll say my name, sometimes you don't. At Bro, this point, on. Chris, I just assume that you're the guy in the opening credits of the sitcom who like they they lean over to him and then he looks at the camera and goes yeah. like it's always a little delayed, like he's doing something and then like he realizes the camera's looking at him. It's like, oh hey. Right. So, it's one of those like up. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of changing up, can we talk about how yesterday was 70 degrees and I woke up this morning, it was nine? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Name another place. Name another place in this world. It was 76 degrees yesterday. I want to know temperature changes in 60 degree increments over the course of 24 hours. Actually, 16 hours. I want to know what else does that without severe like thunderstorms. Man, I don't know. Dude, I had my air on 65 last night. I'm surprised pipes didn't burst. (laughs) I did not know what the temperature was going to be. I woke up freezing. And right now the wind chill is 14 degrees and it's 12. It's noon. Yes. So there we are. That's the change up. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I rant. St- starting off real quick, I want to go with you, Saul. You were missing last time that we did an episode. So what have you been playing was since I? you've last? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was. You were. It's okay. And then we were all missing I last week. I had a migraine, week. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so this last week, I actually haven't played a whole lot of games. Um, shocker. Um, well, I say that. I guess I have played. I haven't played a lot. Of games, but I played a lot of the two games that I have played, and that is Dark Souls Three. Um, I have a buddy who's never played the Dark Souls series before, and so he picked up Dark Souls <clears> Three, <throat> and me and him played co-op through it, and it's been pretty fun. Um, on top of that, I went back to platinum grinding the rest of my stuff on Dark Souls Three. Um, we're playing Dark Souls Three on PC. I'm trying to get the platinum, obviously, on PlayStation. So I have two different characters I'm kind of working with, but um. Other than that, this week, it's actually been kind of a busy week for me. So like I've just kind of been chilling, playing Breath of the Wild again, just for something to play on my Switch, uh, on the couch, or um, watching. I've been watching Ozark, uh, which is a show on Netflix. 
It's the, really good. The first good season show. is really good, but I haven't gotten back to the. I started season two and then never really. Got season two is really weak in the beginning because like I'm I'm going through season two's beginning. Yeah, my interest season. is like yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's picking back up though, which is interesting. So I'm curious to see how they do season three because I think that's out too. It is. My parents um, love that show. They watched it when we quarantined, which I know you guys didn't do, but. Oh yeah, our our city was really weird. Um, is that the game you were playing? Loop Hero, yeah, that's a good okay. game. Um, I that, actually did. That's play, been a little bit while back, but I actually did play some of Loop Hero this week, and I played some of Into the Breach this week, which Great are game. That's both, Into the Breach is the Advanced War style kind of looking it's game, right? It's like Final Fantasy Tactics, Advanced Wars, Roguelite. You are a mech, and or you you control mechs on the battlefield fighting aliens. And it's roguelite in the way that if you die or you fail your objective or you run out of energy, then your game restarts and you have to go back to the original, but you carry for permanent progressions like health increases mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's really fun. It's really addicting. Wow. That's a game I have to be careful with. Loop Hero sold 500,000 copies in its first week. That's actually really good. That's crazy good. That's a good game. That's, also, a, that's another addicting game. It's free on Epic too. Or it was. I don't know if it still is, but... Loop Hero is is like you start on a map and your character auto walks around the map and then when it encounters enemies it auto battles enemies but you have stats like your health your attack speed your evasive uh, evasiveness all that stuff and as you kill enemies you unlock these cards and you can place the cards down on the map to generate buildings and the buildings do different things like you'll generate yeah. a um a vampire mansion and the dream vampires on the map to walk around. I kind of like that old video game thing of like, we're not even going to show anything. We're just going to let back in numbers determine who wins what. Because that's kind of what happens. Right? Yeah, like, well, you walk around and the battle goes on, but you don't choose what you do in the battle or anything. It just auto battles. Yeah, and then like it, it's. But you can die from the auto battle. You know what right? kind of. Yeah, well, not only that, but you, you, you gain like equipment, like swords and shields and stuff that yeah. increase stuff. And like you, you may get a dagger that increases your attack speed or you may get a shield that increases evasiveness but um uh or your evasion but yeah it, it you know what it reminds me of is like those those text-based games that were on calculators did you ever play those like <laughs> yeah. TI, like the ti 18 or 81 like yeah Autos? where it all does like back-end stuff where yeah it's like, hey we're gonna do this role for you and determine whether you've done this or not yeah it's like a role-playing game that's like on a calculator right for those that don't know and it's like <clears throat> a text-based game and like they had Grand Theft Auto on there, where it was like you pulled up on the street, and like there was a person. Uh, do you shoot them? And you could hit yes, but then it could roll. It does a back end roll, and it's like you may die for doing that. Um, and those games, I actually really like those games. I think the first stick RPG was like that, which is a. I know this is one of those tieovers from when you would be bored at any of the places where you had computers in school, so you would just try and find what you could, yeah, uh, and get around all of their. Stuff, but there was a game called Stick RPG where I think almost the first one was almost entirely based on your different RPG elements and whether you want to do different things. But then they did Stick RPG 2, which was like way bigger, and you could actually go in. There was parts where you had to do fights, and it was like top down, almost kind of like um, the way that they ended up using the camera in Hotline Miami, where it's yeah. top down, um, and it was. You'd run through the area and you could actually do everything on yourself. You could swing around corners and stuff with weapons. It was basically the same thing. There was a, a thing, a stick arena or something like that, that we used to play online too, where it's all stick people and you get on and you have different weapons. And it's basically Halo style arena, but on a top down map. So you just kind of run around and try and smack people and you can learn how to use hammers where you can like kind of hit around corners and stuff. And that game was super fun. Huh. It, it's weird that those games are some of the thing I love about Flash games back in the day is that. 
the idea of a flash game, like you had to make a game that was just immediately fun. It didn't need a ton of depth. It had to be fun because most of the time people were playing it for a little stints. So it's just like, can you make it fun for like in the first, minutes. yeah, in the, in the first thirty seconds, last for about twenty minutes, and then every time someone comes back, they can get that same sense of adrenaline rush. Um, but yeah, I know that's a little bit of a, of a side shoot off, but I like that idea of things being kind of behind the scenes as much as possible on games. It's a very old, like, well, we don't really know how to design combat here, so we're just going to let the game, like, that. we're going to make that part of the game is that the game's doing that for you. There's another game that comes to mind. I just can't think of the name, but where it did battle for you behind the scenes. But anyway, Loop Hero looks really good, and um, I think I'd be a little more keen to play Loop Hero before I'd play Into the Breach, but I think both of them do look good. Yeah, they're both really addicting if I is Loop Hero on PlayStation? Mm, I would think so, but I, I have it on Switch for context. Right now, it's on Switch, Mac, Windows, and Linux. And I think it, I think it's you know it's one of those games for Switch that like you can literally pick up, do a run, you fail your run, put it down, pick up. Oh, but it just released for Switch, so yeah, it's probably like, like slowly making ago? its way to console. Okay. Yeah. So, Chris, what have you been playing this week? It's the ball in your court. Um, I've been playing a lot of stuff because I'm sick, obviously, but. Uh, I got the Platinum and Hitman 3, which I love that game. Um, it was a lot of fun. I had to clear out some challenges. Got one of my best scores right before I beat the game. Got my nice silent assassin with my suit on. It's pretty sick. Um, and then a lot of uh, Destiny 2. I'm, I'm, I'm back into playing Destiny 2. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, for Destiny better, 2 is for worse. Th- Destiny 2 is fun. I think raids are trash. But otherwise, I like Destiny 2 a lot. He's doing the thing where I am too, where a lot of people complain about Gambit. But Gambit's fun. Gambit's like fun. it stresses Sick. you, but it's fun. And and <laughs> it's just it's funny being in that thing where Chris is like, Yeah, I'm just gonna keep playing Gambit because that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> find your find your rhythm and stick with it, right? I mean, yeah. I don't blame you at that point. Um so is that all you've been playing? I know you. I know you did Hitman, and I know you did Destiny. Did you end up playing anything else in a real sense? Um, I've played bits and pieces of stuff. Like I, I've been playing uh, The Darkness Two on PS3, which is an excellent Dude, that game. game. Is so good. It is. That Both game is the Darkness awesome. are really good. But the power yeah. set, I ended up playing that game on because I was on. Un, I was unsure of it, even though I loved The Darkness One when it first came out. And yeah. I wasn't just like flush with cash back in the day, but I ended up buying it on PC for like three dollars on sale like five years ago. Uh-huh. That game is so good. The yeah, power set fun. is super fun. I wish that it leaned a little bit more on the the light interactions like the first game did, where yeah. you have to be care- you have to be more aware and cognizant of the lights. But I'm still happy with how the game turned out. It's really fun. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I wish there was less like. The game will like stop you from progressing a lot to to have like conversations with you, which I get. They're trying to tell me a story, but the story is not nearly as fun as the gameplay. So like, I, I get. Kind I agree of frustrated. with you. The story's fine, but yeah, it's like, oh, talk to Eddie. It's like I don't even know who Eddie is. I just want to kill people with my tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks that the darkness seems to be done because it's such yeah. a cool idea, and. In my opinion, I think bringing the idea back around, which I know is what it was before, right? The Darkness the first time around was like, oh, it's a cool next-gen showcase because mm-hmm. you can interact with lights and lights are aware. Like, the game's aware of when you step in the lights and it hurts you and you can knock them out to strategically help you. That was cool. But I think you could come back and do that on a much bigger scale and really make something interesting. Um, 
It's kind of like uh, there's another game. I think Thief tried using that idea of like when you're not in the light, you're like very hidden and you can sm- swing between, or I don't want to say swing, but you can like swoosh between uh, points and you have a brief moment of invincib- or invincibility or see-throughness when you try and blink into another spot. But if you screw up and land in the light, you're immediately seen. Mm. And I like that kind of idea. There's something about games that, they use the idea in two different ways. Like the darkness is all about a power fantasy. Like you're not trying to be stealthy at all, but you no. still want to stay in the dark. But then thief is like, stay in the dark. Cause you want to be stealthy. So. Yeah. Um, but other than those, I've put some time into uh, X-Men destiny on PS3, which is a nightmare of a video game. Um, oh my God. I forgot <laughs> that about is, that game. That game is not good. It's not bad, but it's not good. I don't think I've ever um, liked any of the X-Men games except X-Men Wolverine on Game Boy Advance. X-Men Origins Wolverine on PS3 is excellent. I've heard that great game was things a lot about of the game. I've never played it, but I've heard great things. Um, I've also played Bully, which is great. Bully's Bully a lot is of really fun. Good. And then uh, a new game I played, which is a lot of fun, but I think is very hard, is uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Boy, oh, is, I, I, that's like the puzzle one, isn't it? Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. Is it a match three? or? Yeah, love- pretty much. I love yeah. Shovel Knight. I love it too, but this one is... I think I've only made it past the third world once. Like it's so hard, but I, it's also on me because I'm putting it on... Uh, I have it on the mode where if you die, you go all the way back to the beginning. That's well, what I'm saying. It. it sounds like you're doing like arcade mode where like yeah. if you if you completely lose lives, you have to restart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like roguelite mode in this or whatever, but... Yeah, sure. It's uh, It's a lot of fun. It's just, I don't know if unbalanced is the right word because I think they were going for what they got, what they gave me, but it's very hard. But it's a lot of fun. It's very cool. Well, Chris, as I told you, because we were having that discussion uh, the last episode that we were on about Hitman, and I told you I was going to (coughs) download it. I played Hitman 3 and I played what I assume in Hitman 3 is probably the same tutorial from the first two Hitman games. Mm -hmm. Uh, There'd be no reason I could see why they would need to give new tutorials when it's ultimately a very similar style of gameplay. Yeah. Uh, I might be wrong, but it, it something about the way that when the game opened up into the first actual mission, I was like, this feels way different than these two tutorials and not in a way that's like, Oh, well we just really want to keep it dumb. It feels like it was like pulled back because it was the first game and yeah. you know, they're, they're kind of finding their thing. So, um, I'll tell you right now, I enjoy the game. I, I don't like, I'm not head over heels for it. Like I told you, uh, I'm not drawn back to play it just yet, but I haven't deleted it. Cause I, I mean, I had enough fun. I just kind of make time to play it, which is going to be hard, but, um, to get something else out of the way as a side from there. Now that I've reached level 100 on the battle pass for halo, I feel a little less like I'm like, I've reached a milestone where I'm still going to play halo. Cause it's super fun. And if anybody, if any friends pop on, be like, "Hey, we'll play Halo." I'll I'll hop off and go play it. But I'm not going to be playing it by myself as much. Mm-hmm. So between Destiny and Hitman, those two games seem feasible to be able to do both. But the problem is, is now we're talking about adding Dying Light into this mix, and I don't know how that's going to happen. But you know, we can we can wish. Um, but I'm 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 curious to see how the game opens up in the second mission. I think the first mission's fun, and I think that this is more of because I'm so new to the game. It yeah. feels like the the ways that you can actually go about killing are not limited necessarily, but it doesn't feel as open as I would have thought. It feels like it's going to be some combination of 
poisoning someone in some way so that they either die on contact or it's not they run to the bathroom you can drown them and i know that that's probably not it's just since i've not played enough of the game yeah that's just what it feels like and so yeah. i'm wanting to keep playing the game to when it really opens up now i will say the first mission i kicked a dude off the building yeah because why wouldn't you i saw the opportunity i was like so you're, this dude. you're on dubai right yeah, you I just parachute ended that in. One. Yeah, so I, what I can say is that there's significantly more ways, more interesting ways to kill people than that. Like significantly yeah. more. And some of them, like <laughs> some of it, like because I, I spent as much time as I could on that, trying to explore around and find different things and and look. And I told you I was using the feats as a way to try and force me to play in ways to learn mm. about some of the options that are available, um, like switching different outfits and stuff, um, but. It was, I liked it like you could climb around. So it's like, well, you can either actually dump all your things that are illegal goods into a thing so you can get past the sultan or whatever guard, Frisking, or yeah. you can just walk around and climb up some vines. Mm-hmm. So I'm having a good time with it, but I'm just, yeah. yeah you got to let it uh, open Is, is up Hitman more. 3 the one that has VR support? Yes. Well, you can play everything in VR. Does that mean that I can like play that exact mission I just played right there in VR? Yes. What? I, yeah. Mm. Yeah. What I meant is you can play if you, well you should because you have my account. You can play Hitman one and two levels in VR two through Hitman. 3. Oh yeah yeah I got you I got you. Well thing is is I'm almost curious like I would be much more willing to buy Hitman three and play VR on Quest because the other thing I've been playing is. Oh, you're kidding me. Well, you know what? Good for PlayStation. Smart move. (laughs) PlayStation, that means the impetus is on you to hurry up and get PSVR 2 out because PSVR ain't cutting it. Where I was going (laughs) with that is I've been playing. I spent a lot of time yesterday modding out Skyrim VR because the base version of Skyrim VR is not that great. (laughs) It's kind of bad even on computer. Uh, It's better with better tracking, but I modded it out to where everything has got like uh, physics interactions to it. So like if you see a sign on a store, you can smack it and it'll move with your hand. Uh, (laughs) I was telling Saul, you can use the grips on the controller to lean down and pick enemies up and like smack them and hit them and you can actually like pull the gear off their bodies and then hold it and look at it and then decide if you want to add it to your inventory. And it's amazing. I I spent like three hours playing it yesterday just having a blast. Um, and it, it is fun being able to like punch enemies. Like literally I was walking and I, there's a holster system in one of the mods I have. So like my bow is on my back and my swords on my side and my shields on my side, but I was holding a torch and I really, to, to switch, I had to drop the torch. So I just was throwing the torch at wolves and catching them on fire and then punching them. <laughs> and I don't know, man, it was good times. Yeah, there's this woman so, I watch on, uh, I've seen on TikTok who is playing Skyrim VR, but like has modded it to be fully immersive. Like she has to do dude, all the talking. Her, she has a suit that like will simulate water and sh- and stuff like that. And like oh, she has, so cool. she has to actually walk and do all of that, which sounds exhausting. But it looks really dude, I I want a VR treadmill so bad. That would be sick. Because here's the thing: I know it sounds dumb, but I just like I'm gonna see in my mind how it feels. I literally ran in place while I was moving in the game, and the immersion factor went up like thirty percent. I was oh, like, I bet. oh, this is a. I was like, this is great. I mean, I know I'm not actually moving, but this feels really good. I know it sounds crazy, but for like twelve hundred dollars, I could have a VR treadmill. <laughs> hey, man. 
That's a I don't know, man. But, but, but. Yeah, between looking and like updating all the textures to be like 4K textures and having everything be super high quality, and you look down at the ground and you can see all the individual pebbles and the water is I have the new water shaders and stuff on. The game looks impeccable and it's really impressive. It's it's one of these things where it's I, I mean this in the most loving way I can, but the moment that you start understanding the abilities that mods add, you you recontextualize all Bethesda games to where like it's almost like out of the box Bethesda games are like a four out of ten, and then you can mod them to be the ten out of tens they are. Now that's not really the case because clearly I played Skyrim at launch and on PS4 and loved it without mods. But once you get the context of mods, it starts making the vanilla version of the game be like but I really want to waste my time and effort on a vanilla version of the game. And it's still a great game, but it's just so much more with all these extra layers. But yeah, yeah uh, having, you know, cause like the, the base version of the game has zero physics awareness. Your hands can't do anything. You can't pick things up. They literally float through everything and it's just two individual hands. So I modeled it to where I can see my entire player avatar. It animates to what I'm doing. I could pick stuff up and I loved it. It was it was really good. It also gives you a new way to appreciate the game because I was like picking up the frostbite spiders that are in the cave at the start and they're massive. You don't like you don't really have that that sense of scale until you're looking at it in VR and holding up being like this some bitch is big. But also <laughs> you have like super strength in the game because I'm picking up this giant spider and flung him all the way across the room like it was nothing. Good times. So yeah, VR is good times. That's basically what i'm getting at i got the uh the link cable for my rift and half-life alex is coming soon uh, i've got it but i'm gonna be playing it soon as a result so oh, yeah all right well moving forward with the episode because we were out last week i chose excuse me not to do a community stake instead we're gonna let this episode be what we're excited for for 2022 uh, game-wise, we're going to kind of talk about all those things and why we're excited about them. And we're going to leave the original community's take uh, intact for the episode that we're going to end up doing for Game of the Year uh, because we kind of pivoted to this topic since everybody was going to be on. Um, so while I'll be out next week, I think um, there's no reason that Chris and I guess we can figure that out now. You guys just going to do an episode or we want to skip or I don't really care. Just, I should be fine for Saturday or for Sunday, normal time. Yeah, it okay. should be good. So you guys can, we can just come up with a community stake at the end of this. I guess we can ask everybody else what they're excited for, for 2022. Let it kind of be one of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and that way you guys can talk about that. And eventually we'll get to game of the year. Uh, or as we've talked about with Chris, favorite games that released in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. um, I guess really let's just get the, there's a little bit of news that I'm literally going to run through. Cause I think it's funny because Chris took the time to write four news pieces. Uh, last I tried night. so hard to find more news so hard, dude. I looked for like an hour. I'm like, this can't be it. It can't be. And it was, that's it. There's no news. <laughs> well, the first piece of news and, uh, I will do as I always do when Chris does news and follow his words to a T. So please don't, you know, don't be clipping me out of context for something Chris said. Yeah, I'm you not can clip me. I, I, I'm kidding. I, I stand I behind everything I said. All right, so first up, PlayStation Plus is loaded to start off 2022 with three excellent selections. Persona 5 Strikers, Dirt 5, and a new release in the awesome and previously PC and Xbox exclusive Deep Rock Galactic. That makes sense as to why I've never heard of that game, because I had zero clue, but it looks cool. It's, uh, um, you can add them to your library with a PS Plus subscription on January 4th. So there you go. Um, 
explain to me Persona 5 Strikers. The reason I asked that is because I always thought it was like an offshoot game that had its own importance for its own things, but someone called it Persona 5 2 the other day, and I was like, well, clearly no. that can't be it. Well, it's a sequel to the story, but it's but the a game spin-off is, game. Yeah, it's a Musou yeah. game. Um, What's that's what I thought, game? like Dynasty yeah. Warriors, right? Yeah, it's like Dynasty oh. Warriors, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of those either. I loved them as a kid, but then you kind of get like, okay. Yeah, but it's Persona 5. <laughs> it's Persona, so it's actually good compared to Dynasty Warriors games. <laughs> See, that's that's the thought process I had with Berserk. Is like Band of the Hawk is a Muso game. I love Berserk. So I by nature I would have to at least appreciate the world they made. Yeah, I but guess. I, I think it's gonna be like Zelda Hyrule Warriors. I would get tired of the gameplay. I, I've heard that Hyrule Warriors has really deep systems though, so like maybe that would be different because I've heard Hyrule Warriors too. Right? In that in the I don't think there's a, no. I don't yeah, think there's a sequel, true. is there? There's yeah, oh, there is. Yeah, I forgot. There's one on 3DS. It's, yeah, it's, uh, Age one, of Calamity, right? The one that's on the Switch. Yeah, I forgot. I, I'm thinking that is the that yeah. is the only one. But there was, in fact, one on 3DS. Yeah, yeah. That was, I've heard that game's excellent, but I can't speak for that. I I would have to wait for a very deep sell for that <laughs> because on. I played the original Hyrule Warriors and the original one was a 3DS game. Yes, yes. It was the first one that was. I do remember the game. I just I didn't play it. I believe it was a 3ds, a new 3ds exclusive. Don't quote yeah. me on that. No, I think you're right. It was on. It was it was Wii U and 3ds and Switch. It released on all three. Huh? Well, everything's yeah, coming out on Switch. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, like if if a game has a deep enough system, I would love it. But I think I've talked about Shadow Warriors two on here enough that I, I hate that game. That game <laughs> I mean, is one of the reasons I was so tired of Samurai Age. In the end, the weird thing about this game is like neither of you have played Persona Five, so I would say you absolutely should not play Persona Five Strikers. <laughs> yeah, oh, because yeah. it would completely ruin the story beats that you would learn yeah, in the first exactly. game if you ever got around. I, I'm still waiting. Actually, is it on sale? I want Persona uh, Persona Five. Um, what's the Dance Royale, Royale to, to go on sale? Yeah, it was on or Persona sale, Five Royal. It might be on sale now, at least the digital deluxe edition. I don't know. How much it That's is? That's the weirdest game because I feel like some people are like it's more content, so it's longer. And then some people are like, yeah, but they changed the gameplay, so it's shorter. I heard. That I, is, I don't know. It's still sixty bucks online. I heard that is the definitive way to play Persona Five. You should not play Vanilla Persona Five. Yeah, like that's, I've heard that. Like if because I've played Persona Five Vanilla and I got I got actually very far into the game <laughs> without saving. Lost a lot of progress, <laughs> and then I died, and then I was like, you know what? I'll come back to this game eventually. And eventually, it never came. Yeah, Actually, I did. I did try to go back to it eventually, but then uh, the the world does not want it because my power went out when I was playing it. <laughs> I was like, uh, so for context, the game opens up with like a high style cutscene, and when it ends there, you got to get put into the world, and there's contextual like background explanations. I got through that, and then I got to control character, and power went out. I'm not even joking. It's it because like, the world knew Royale was coming at that point. It yeah. was. It was actually after Royale. It was it was after Royale, but I still have I still bought Persona Five. So you're trying to play launch. it. I was just want to play it. Yeah. So the world the, the world's like, no, you will play Royale and you will enjoy it. Fun fact: that's the second game that's ha- that's happened to me before. Where I, was, where I was play, yeah, like where something happened on my first playthrough, and then um, I didn't end up going back to it. Was Don't Make Cry Two? No. Yeah. Okay. My memory card was corrupted. I had to restart the entire game. And I was more than halfway through. And then the second time I started playing that game, it actually was not a power outage, though. It was the um, disc did not read. It was like halfway through. I was I say halfway through. It was two or three hours in, and my disc would not read. 
I've, and I've, that's, I had actually saved enough times up to that point. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. The only time I've ever had just like a really bad situation in terms of game save stuff was specifically with heavy rain, and it was my fault. I was playing it like till like three in the morning because I was super into it, but I fell asleep and I woke up like two hours later. I was like, I need to get in bed. I fell asleep, leaned against my mattress. Oh, and I was a teenager, of course. And so I was like, oh, I need to go to sleep. And so I, I was, I had enough of a cognizant awareness to be like, I should save the game. But as soon as I hit save, I turned the PlayStation off. And I didn't even realize until the next morning when I woke up and went to play the game again. And it said, your save file is corrupted. I said, I turned the system off while it was saving. <laughs> and I hated every second of it. And I had to restart the game. And I was so close to the end, which I found out whenever I got there again. And it's terrible. But that's life. Uh, that's good. Next thing up, Remedy is making a free-to-play shooter with Tencent. Depressing news out of China again this episode, as Remedy appears to be taking its talent in single-player shooters and wasting them on a CCP-funded free-to-play game. Um, yeah, I have zero interest in this, This, at, at least as they've shown it so far, their free-to-play shooter. I have little interest in most free-to-play shooters, though I guess technically Halo is a free-to-play shooter. And I clearly have a lot of interest in Halo. Yeah. Well, the sad part is they, as we'll talk about later on in the show, I'm excited for Crossfire X because of what Remedy's doing, and it looks so cool. But, I, yeah, ten cents sucks. <laughs> hey, you know, is what it is. Uh, in wonderful news out of China, wholly owned Tencent company Riot has agreed to pay $100 million in settling their gender discrimination lawsuits. Time will tell if this will affect the company who makes League of Legends and recently released console game Ruined King. I, like how I should start reading this like I'm a news anchor because you really wrote it <laughs> like it's a news anchor. I do Final I Fantasy 16 has been out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Ruin King still looks awesome, and this is a really interesting situation to be in because while I have zero care of League of Legends in its entirety existence up until this point, Ruin King looks really good, and clearly um, Arcane was amazing, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's fun. It's it's really interesting being in there. Give it time, Chris. Um, <laughs> Last piece of news that Chris had here, Final Fantasy 16 has been delayed almost half a year due to COVID. The delay is internal as Final Fantasy 16 doesn't have a public release date, as we all know, but speculation had pegged the game originally for a 2022 release date. Uh, that date is still in the cards, but we'll have to see what the future holds for the Square Enix developed game in the long-running IP. Um, yeah, it looks like there was some talk that the game might have been a first half of the year game. Mm -hmm. Again, very loose kind of speculation. So there is a small chance that this becomes a holiday window game. I'm sure Square would like that. But we'll see. I think, if I remember right, Japan's end of year is March. Is that right? I think so, uh, actually. Yeah, I think you're right. So if so, they technically, if they wanted to hit that year, <clears throat> they only have to worry about releasing it by March, and then their shareholders are probably happy Boss. from a fiscal year standpoint. I'll smack the mess out of you. Who? You. Why? You forgot a game on your list. I probably did, dude. Oh, yeah, you should smack the mess out of me. <laughs> Thanks. Look, that's the problem with coming up with a quick list like this. It's all right. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> so with that said, yeah, Final Fantasy 16 still looks awesome. I'm not that surprised by this. I think that Square Enix has handled this a lot better. They never put a date on it. Then they say, hey, we've had to internally delay it. 
but we still don't have a date to give you. So all you know is that it's going to be a little bit longer, but this is the right way to do it. And they haven't overshown the game, which is surprising because I would have anticipated, considering it's been pushed off time and time again, right. that their answer would have been to just show the game at every thing out there. But they've been really, they've shown a lot of restraint in not showing the game at every TCG or whatever. So with that in mind, I'm hoping that game ends up coming out and being amazing. And we'll find that out sooner or later. So, Chris. Yes. Here we are. Time to discuss <coughs> our games that we are looking forward to next year. Now, there's not necessarily a number in mind. We're going to talk about the games we're most excited for. There's some games I want to bring up as quick because I think they look interesting, but I don't have enough to talk about them in any kind of depth. So we're just going to kind of go through and look. But Chris, I'm going to let you start to show off what games are you excited for next year? So am I reading uh, my whole you, list or am I going my... I would say... Yeah, i say we'll do our list at yeah. all. Like, you do your list, explain why, and, and we'll pass if, the book. If, yeah, and if the list overlaps anywhere with our list, we'll just all talk about it. Okay. Well, mine is in some kind of order because my number one game for next year is Dying Light Stay Human, which I adore Dying Light. Best game of the PS4 generation, so... Obviously, can't wait for the second one. My second game would be Stray, uh, number Here, I'll three. Back up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, maybe you've said this before, and I'm just not paying enough attention. You said Dying Light's your game of the generation, the yes. original one. Interesting. Interesting. I yeah. Now I feel like I have more need to play it because I again I have I've watched my friend Jonathan play fifteen minutes of it. Yeah seven years ago whatever it was the game came out in like what 15 right yeah i think so so yeah anyway i remember watching him play very very little of it i saw a little bit of the parkour and then at some point in time i saw somebody playing it again for like five minutes when they introduced vehicles into the game i think it was jonathan still um, I, I should clarify it's not my favorite game of the generation it's my top one of my top three persona five still exists so, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still high praise. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, I have often heard people talk highly of Dying Light, but not usually in that type of like they don't surround it with that vocabulary. So, while it still may be true for them, it's interesting to hear that. Um, and knowing th- that most of the time, I feel like our gaming interests are close enough. Mm. I feel like you're making me feel like I am actually missing something by not playing Dying Light. So I guess we're going to even if it doesn't rank that high for you, you're definitely missing something. So, yeah, I think at the PS3 era, I was so tired of zombie media across the board, not Mm -hmm. even just in games, Uh, because you know we had like in the early 2000s there was like that slew of zombie movies that got really big. And then that kind of started to calm down or at least kind of culminate with World War Z. And then right around all that was like games catching up and playing like behind the look. Oh, I guess we're going to do Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 and Dead Island and Dead Island Riptide and Kill All the Zombies and all these different games. And I was like, I just I'm tired of zombies. I don't care anymore. But there's been enough time where I don't feel like zombies have been like literally the forefront of media entertainment. So I've softened on my like feeling of of them being overly out in media. Zombie so tape. I'm in a spot where it feels better for me to be like, okay, yeah, I'll play that. Because I remember when Dying Light first came out, I played Dead Island and I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't play it for long, but I worked at GameStop, so I checked it out. 
And so telling me that Dying Light was from the developers of Dead Island didn't really do anything for me, right? It felt like I've already played one game from them I didn't like. I'm not going to waste money on another one. Uh, and I think on the surface, it's fair to say the games have enough in, in common that you can see and be like, maybe they're similar. But the more I've heard people explain it to me and like listening to my friends play it the other night whenever I was getting to 100 on Halo, there was two of them playing. It. I was like, this sounds significantly different from what I remember in Dead Island. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely willing to play it. And definitely since I have a zero cost of entry, I mean, yeah, right. there's, there's almost no reason not to at least try it. So, but all right, go ahead. Stray looks awesome. But at the same time, nobody has any clue what Stray is. This is the problem with Stray. <laughs> it's not really a problem. It's a great problem because yeah. the game exists in our imagination right now. In a, in a lot of ways. Well, if Game of Thrones Season 8 tells me anything, that's not the best strategy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will maintain that the best time for Game of Thrones was between Season 7 and 8. Um, so the next game would be uh, <laughs> Triangle Strategy. That uh, looks awesome. I it can't does. wait for that. It looks great. In the same sense, though, right? They showed just enough to get you excited because of the type of game it is. And then they showed a little bit more a second time. But they've not really shown anything else about the game. There's well, there was a demo. Oh, I know there was a demo. There was a demo the first time, actually, right as soon as they announced it. Well, there's two demos. Yeah. There was uh, there was a demo <clears throat> like right when they first announced it, and then mm-hmm. there was one that actually fixed a lot of the main player complaints about the first demo. Great. I didn't movie. play the second one because I'm holding off till release. I like that about Neo. This idea of like, hey, as soon as we announce the game, we're gonna put a beta, alpha, whatever yeah. you want to call it out, and we're going to just let you guys tell us the things you don't like so we can work on them. I think that's such smart game design. <laughs> Because it's kind of like the idea that people talk about where given any type of software or hardware or anything, the best way to figure out bugs and issues is to get the biggest audience that you can because testers are only going to catch so many things. Yeah. So yeah, just put it out there, say that it's not in a finished state, and then let everybody tell you what they do and don't like about it. Yeah. Great way to play it. Get good feedback that way. Yeah. But see, the next game on that list is looking mighty high, mighty fine there. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which looks excellent. XCOM and Marvel similar. game. similar. We don't. We still don't know much about it, but it looks cool. I know enough. It's it's fair access, and it's a Marvel XCOM game. That's all. Yeah, I need it does. To know. It does look really interesting, and I like the idea of the story and stuff they're doing, and the art style and stuff is cool. But being someone who's only tangentially like watched a few people play and looked at some stuff for XCOM but never actually played it. My frame of reference on this is really low. But it sounds exciting. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know. There's just I'm a big Marvel guy and then I love XCOM, so Alright, I'm going to run through the rest of my list quicker. Uh, Gotham Knights would be number five. Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, Deep Rock Galactic, which comes out in tomorrow, I think. Pokemon Legends Arceus, Crossfire X, specifically the single player, and Plague Tale Requiem. Then I have honorable mentions of Cyberpunk 2077 on PS5 and The Witcher 3 also on PS5. So there's a couple of games I'm going to ask for quick thoughts on. But the, the, the two that are interesting, Cyberpunk, I'm not surprised at all. I am super interested to see how Cyberpunk is as a, as a next-gen version because I already <laughs> love the game. Mm-hmm. Can you make me love it more? And how much of the systems are they going to change? Part of what I'm curious about is a lot of these things we're hearing about them wanting to make deep system changes. I think that they partially wanted to wait 
until they had all the system changes ready so that at the same time as they update the PS4 version, they can have the disc version of Cyberpunk on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series have all of those on the disc version. I mm-hmm. think that's their ploy because it does look better to be like, hey, the an actually solid and great version of the game exists on disc, zero updates. That is a good PR move. Uh, so I'm not surprised there. But the other CD Projekt Red game that I know you've tried time and again and just never really completely clicked it. Why are you excited for Witcher 3? Because I'm going to try it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to as well. I love it. So I'm excited for it because I've chose not to replay it all this time and getting to do so now will be good. <laughs> yeah. I'd like I'd like to finish it and be proven wrong. Like as we talked about, like The Outer Worlds is one of my favorite games now. I love that game and I hated that game for a long time. Yes, you did. So I'm hoping that I I fall back into Witcher 3, but I've played The Witcher 3 like 6 times and never liked it once. Yeah, that's I don't I don't know. I don't even really know how to tell you to play the game because what I loved about the game is what I feel like a lot of people talk about with Breath of the Wild is that I was just like, what's that over there? I'm going to go see what that is. And yeah. the idea of like finding weird puzzles and working stuff out and then being able to find Witcher gear and completely changing your build off of different Witcher gears was fun. And I think that I, I know you bring up the uh, the Bloody Baron storyline, which is a fantastic storyline. But I'm telling you, there are other side quests in that game that are very close to that quality. And the, and the story's main campaign, definitely once you really get it moving, the, the, the campaign does start a little slow. Uh, and I think it's on purpose. Uh, but once the campaign really gets moving, there's some crazy stuff in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, and I think it has a really awesome story. So, so the farthest I've gotten in Witcher 3 was on PC, and it was the second mm-hmm. island or whatever when you're looking for the thieves. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you say island. Are you talking about when you're on um, oh, Skellige or whatever yeah, it's called? Yeah, I think so. I think it was Skellige. Yes. Yeah, Skellige, I thought. Or Skellige. I don't actually know how you pronounce it. That's one of those <coughs> things. I think the game says it. And Skellige comes to mind, so I don't uh, know. who knows. It's funny because I like I love Gwent. Like I have played a lot Gwent of Gwent. It's so good. Like, I have the, the physical uh, version of that game. Yeah. Actually, Gwent, we right? can play that when you come down, Chris. Yeah. I have like it's it's made it was a limited edition thing. I'll, I'll put it in Discord. But it's super cool. All the cards printed. Well, me and Dude, the, one of so the guys good, we though. played uh Destiny with Sean, Sean was like a top-ranked competitive player in Gwent on in PS4. the actual Gwent standalone release. Yeah, and then I, I never was played like, the standalone, but I played the hell out of it in Witcher Three. Oh, I never played it in Witcher Three. I played the standalone. I've played the standalone for more hours than I've played Witcher Three. <laughs> Part of the fun of the Witcher Three was this thing of like the the added layer of using the card game as a means to take you to new places because you wanted to get new cards in your deck. So you had to fight different people and do different things and get these cards and then eventually get to where you had a better version of your deck. And I found that to be a nice pull between games that are strictly, hey, we're a card game, but we had to find a way to make it compelling for you to want to get new cards. I think wrapping that up within the rest of an RPG is fun. And I think it gives you a nice change of pace within the RPG itself. Because I probably played like 30 hours of Gwent in my Witcher Three runtime, and it was all within the Witcher Three. You should try it. It's on the. It's on phone. I mean, I'll. Oh, I'll I'm sure. It. I'm sure. It's yeah. good. It's a good game. It's still on PS4, but the, the online's dead, so it's not worth oh, playing. But I love it, man. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, that game is so good. All right, uh, the, the other ones that I think were interesting, right, is I'm with you. I think Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League looks great. I'm so indifferent on Gotham Knights. I don't know how to feel. So what is it for you? Is it just because it's Batman material and, and you like Batman? Or, I mean, uh, technically yeah. it's not Batman material, and <laughs> I guess family. in a lot of ways. Well, I'm interested, in the, I'm interested in the story. Um it's the one that looks better to me, honestly. If I, between the two, of I would the two. Gotham Knights, yeah. Uh, I think I'm Gotham's playing it a little safer and being something that's closer to what we're used to uh, with yeah, the Arkham games to a degree. That's kind of the thing is I want another Arkham game. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I get that. So it's, I'd rather have <laughs> I'd rather have them play it safe and play, do something good than you know make me question the logic of yeah, the suicide hope- game. My hope for forever, and it seems like that that was what they were trying to do, is take the Arkham idea and keep the core of it intact and then make the rest of it interesting by moving into the future with Batman Beyond. And sadly, we didn't get that. But I thought that was the easiest and quickest and most surefire way to do something interesting and new. Is like, okay, just, you know, it's all the same trappings, but now you have this new layer of future tech where you can add a lot of mechanics and be way more vertical you know, you can do a ton with that, but oh well. <laughs> okay, there's a game on here that I'm uh, that I'm curious. Actually, is it? Yeah, it is on his. Okay, Pokemon Legends Arceus is a game that, but before we knew enough, I was willing to be excited about it, and then the more they've talked about it and killed their own momentum, I'm just to the point where I'm like, eh, I guess not. Uh, I didn't know you were big into Pokemon, though, Chris. That was a surprise. I mean, you, I, I know you've played them, but I don't feel like... Did you pick up Diamond Pearl Remake? or did, Well, no, because my that? Switch got stolen, so I don't have a Switch anymore. Oh, I forgot Oof. your Switch got stolen. At work, yeah, too, right? At work, yeah. <laughs> like an employee or like a customer? I'm, I think, it was, I think no it was an employee. I'm, like, uh, fairly positive it was an employee. but So what is it about Arceus that's exciting to you? Just out of curiosity. I just want to try it. I, I love Pokemon. I've played literally every single one. Um, so I'm going to play it. It's you know up there for me. When I do get a Switch, I'll play Brilliant Diamond and probably Shining Pearl. But I don't know. There's just It looks like they're actually changing up the formula of Pokemon. Whether they do it well is another question entirely. It's a good question. But I'm willing to give them the chance because I, like, I want to play more Pokemon. Well, I'll say, I know at one point in time, there was this feeling within Saul and even me, even though I'm not as big of a fan of Breath of the Wild, (coughs) that looking at the Pokemon formula and really going big scale with it and being like, hey, you have a huge open world and you see Pokemon running around in it. And that's what everybody thought it was, because in a lot of ways, it's what the trailer looked like, right? Mm -hmm. And the way they kind of described it was like, okay. And then they did the secondary trailer. We're like, well, never mind. They're just there's separate areas that you go to and there's not all of them. It kind of reminded me of when they started talking about sword and shield where there was supposed to be a completely open world, but then they're like, well, never mind. We're just going to have this one area in the game where you can do these things. And then the rest of the game is still going to be a normal Pokemon game. And then I thought legends Arceus was them being like, okay, so they use sword and shield as like a stopgap, do half and half so that you can get the, the fan base used to it. And then Arceus, you can just go fully open world, but it sounds like yet again, they're kind of pulling the rug and being like, well, never mind. It's still going to be a normal Pokemon game. 
at parts. Well, and I just I don't know that it kind of kills. I'm not gonna say completely. I'm still mildly interested in it, but it kills a lot of the momentum of feeling like they're really going to do something interesting and unique with Pokemon. And I, um, I don't know. I can't really knows? say that personally. Like I would have to disagree, not disagree, but push back a little bit, just because I don't think the Switch is strong enough to do an open world. So like an open world <laughs> Pokemon game. So I'd almost rather that they put their resources into like, okay, we're making these biomes that have Pokemon hanging out and this is where you get them. I would if rather you, they do that than have to play this game at 6, six FPS with 240 graphics. Yeah. A, a game I've not played, which might be the answer to this question, right? Uh, a couple of different ways. What I was going to say is that clearly they can do an open world because Breath of the Wild 1 exists and they're going into Breath of the Wild 2 and there's no way they're changing that open world. But clearly that's a different game. There's different expectations for what's in the world. And that might matter. But what might get me fully reinvested in Pokemon Legends Arceus is if they basically treat the game like Monster Hunter. And one Monster Hunter that I've not played, even though I literally own the game and I need to get to it, is Monster Hunter Rise. So Saul, if I remember correctly... Rise is similar enough to World in that it it puts you into big hubs yep. that don't have load <laughs> windows, right? Yeah, it's it's not <clears throat> it's the weird combination of like like Monster Hunter World and like classic Monster Hunter, um, where there are zones inside of a world, which I guess technically that's true of Monster Hunter World too. Oh, but, so hold on, but yeah, that is true of Monster Hunter World, but you don't load between those zones, right? Uh, I think you do. In Switch, you, you yeah, still do, but there's bigger stretches before you Oh, yeah, load. there's big areas in that game, like massive. Because okay. um, like, one of my favorite things about World is that while the areas weren't necessarily as big as you would expect for a completely open area, you didn't have to load between any of them. And I, I, might be, and I love that. I might be misremembering it, but I because I, it's been since the first year that I played it, I've actually been wanting to play it. Now, again. way more powerful console. I mean, PS4 has got a lot more you can do than the Switch, to Chris's point. Well, that's the problem um, with walls. with uh, comparing it to Breath of the Wild. Is I love Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild is kind of empty, isn't the right word, but it's not populated to the point where I think if you looked, if you went around Breath of the Wild, or if you went around Pokemon with and it was empty that, but the, the the way the enemies are spread out, if that was how the Pokemon were spread out, it would it, to me it would break the immersion because there's supposed to be yeah. a lot of Pokemon. That's the thing. You'd have to render so many Pokemon in an open world and have an open world that's big enough for it to make sense. That just seems unreasonable. That's why I think Sword and Shield is actually, it's still probably one of my favorite Pokemon games, if not my favorite one, because it did the best of both worlds. It did the best of like overworld Pokemon and big area that you could go to with, with like different time zones or different times in which certain Pokemon spawn, different locations. And then it was a traditional Pokemon game outside of that. I'm also, <clears throat> I was talking about this a little bit before the show, but something Breath of the Wild does that I've realized kind of does <coughs> more so with other open world games or better um, is if there's a fresh, and I've played it four times now, there's a fresh feeling of exploration because I haven't explored all of it yet. Um, it's hard, like, with, with the addition of like open world games telling you, here's a map marker, go there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this is a complete breath of fresh air, <laughs> breath of fresh walls. Um, in terms of that, and I would almost say that like Pokemon Legends Arceus, I don't want it to be fully open world. Um, I'm almost, I'm honestly kind of iffy about Elden Ring being open world, even though that was my one main concern about the game. Even though that most of the people who are like Dark Souls streamers or like players that I follow 
are saying that it's not a fault, which is good. But I, I'm almost kind of tired of like that trope. Like Far Cry, fi- like Far Cry Five was the one that I think felt most like an open world ripoff to me than than any of the other <laughs> Far Cry games. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I think no- open worlds have somewhat lost their novelty, and you get to this point yeah. where when they just when they make it so easy, it's weird because you have to deal with the fact that people want big open worlds, but you also want to make sure that you don't make it so hard that people just lose interest in playing the game from a more casual side because they get frustrated that they don't know how to get to where they need to be. And so they don't completely buy into it, right? They do this thing of they say, hey, um, we're going to have it to where you can turn everything off and you can people will give you directions and they'll be like, oh, it's on the other side of old Cartman's barn on 32 and there's an orange signpost. But it doesn't really do that. Like, yeah. it's, it's weird. They wanted to do it, but then from almost everyone I've heard, if you try and play the game that way, you can't. The, the primary game still actually tells you where to go when it's for a main story thing. Yeah. And so it kind of breaks that layer of immersion. And while that's cool and it does give you that feeling of like, I found this on my own and I went and I explored... From what I remember of Breath of the Wild, there's still map markers. I mean, there's still... There is, yeah. Because so it's, it, it's something that you don't want to make it to where people just can't go do what they want to do. It's kind of like with uh, Spider-Man, right? Yeah. You, you, We always talk about with Spider-Man, we wanted to just immediately go do what we wanted to do, and it was stopping you. You don't yep. want a game to do that, but you also want a freedom level. And that's, I think that's the freedom level in Breath of the Wild that's so different, is, is that it, it is that sense of exploration. Because you may go to this, like... Um, goblin outpost and mm-hmm. like you can tackle every goblin outpost if you want to just by using a bow and arrow that's fine or you can see that oh this one has a boulder up above the cliff you can drop that down you're going to kill all the other goblins this way because it's going to explode them all and then you have two or three left well the one's on a cliff side you can hit them with an the ice rod then you could use a leaf to blow them off the, the, the cliff mm-hmm. or you could go in like swords blaze and you could go in stealth yeah. it's a fun approach the sense of exploration comes more from like the skyrim idea of like the amount of options it, it's a have. little different because in skyrim it kind of depends on what build you've worked yourself up for but if you play skyrim in the place in the sense that you can just become good at everything yeah then in skyrim you can be like i'm gonna shoot this guy with a bow and then run over here and then shoot a destruction spell and then turn around conjure up a sword real quick and then i'll smash 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 and then i'll you know you have a level of freedom but you have more mechanics to play with it's within breath of the wild it's from point a to point b is a lot more fulfilling than getting in a golf, getting in like a, a vehicle, mowing down bad guys with a gun, and then getting to point B, which is what Far Cry Five has done, Fallout Four has done. But mm-hmm. that that's that's my only complaint with Fallout Four, other than the main storyline not being great, was that Fallout Four. There are certain parts of that game that are so well done that feel like other Fallout games, and then there are some parts of that game that do not. Yeah, and it's the sense of exploration that you have that like you get down in this area, and there's a like. The, everybody remembers who played Fallout Three for the first time going into the grocery mart or the school, mm-hmm. school like right right outside of um um oh what's the starting what's the vault one one hundred one um and that's like the first big location you come to and there's a little bit of enemy variety in there and it feels like a fun like exploration but then when you do it again in Fallout Four and you get to like the, the little grocery store area where you find the dog. You're just kind of like this can't this 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 game does nothing to improve upon what a good game has already done. 
I agree with that. And, uh, part of what made four feel that way is it felt like it didn't move the needle, which was kind of my worry with Arceus, right? That's where I was getting at with it is that I, my worry is that they're going to fall back on the main Pokemon thing, which I understand people love and I don't berate them for that. But when I look at it for personally me, it gets to a point where I have such a hard time being actively excited for it because as playing Diamond has, uh, has shown me or whichever one I'm playing um, or not playing rather, that's the problem, is I don't really – the interesting thing for me has kind of been broken. I think the last time I really loved a Pokemon game and it just shows – it's kind of what you're talking about where I almost feel like the way that they made Pokemon more interesting – to me in the last few games was when they did Oros and they brought a bunch of new mechanics in to the existing formula to make it different instead of trying to halfway change the formula with this open area that still is just the way you normally play the game realistically. I liked it in Oros. It was like you can sneak and we're going to introduce sneaking and we're going to show every route you're going to have different Pokemon and you can do lures and calls to try and get this specific Pokemon to come to you. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to add the Latios and Latias flying around the map thing and you'll be able to fly and see the under map which gives it a sense of an open world feel and then you can find these portals and land and interact with these portals i just feel like it did the best thing you could do for trying to make the normal version interesting and then still add something new now of course the problem with that is now you've done that so if you do it again it's lost it's not lost its novelty i guess completely but it's not as novel regardless and i was thinking wouldn't it be cool if Arceus did something different? Now, if the, le- if the answer for Arceus is to become a Monster Hunter-style game where you load into sections and there's Pokemon that are specific to that section and you're going to go through and you're going to have to learn how to lure them out and do what you can to catch them, I think Arceus could be really cool that way. But I'm worried that as much as I think that'd be cool, I think the primary Pokemon fan base might not like that. So then it becomes, is the answer for Game Freak to just make the game where it's in pockets like that, but then you just literally still walk around as you do in every other Pokemon game and just throw a Pokemon and catch them? Or is it going to be a little more interesting? I hope it's more interesting than that, but for all the people that just love walking around and catching a Pokemon, yeah, it's good for them. That's I actually mean, why it's on my list, too, is because I am curious as to how it works. and. Yeah, it's not a mainline game. I know that, so like I'm not going into it with the same mainline expectations. Well, is it not? They're acting like it. They're I, acting I, like I, it is. I don't consider I, it. I, I think I, it is. Technically, see, I don't consider. I, I maybe from a story perspective, but I don't consider like my mainline game. I should guess I should clarify is that there's not two versions. It's not the same. Like, oh, that's a good point. Like, it's not. Yeah, this is the first game of its kind, so maybe that's kind of just maybe I have to play it, and I'll, then I'll be like, okay, this is a mainline game kind of thing. And then this is how mainline games are going to continue to build for the next few iterations, which would be really cool. Um, I think that they should keep you know the RPG aspects of creating your own character, like you could in X and Y, mm-hmm. or well, you know, customization. Yeah, but um, that's what's on my list. I'm just I'm excited to see how it plays because even then, there's Pokemon is like Zelda and like Dark Souls, and for the most part, Elder Scrolls where there's never a bad one. There's just ones that are not as good as the others. Yeah, like I can't even say that the remake of Diamond and Pearl are bad. It's just because they don't do anything different. It's just the same. I, just, yeah, it doesn't. it's not as rewarding for me personally. Yeah. So the draw to want to come and play it is gone because I don't feel like there's anything new for me to experience within it. And I would love for that sense of new to come. And I just maybe that's a thing that's out of the question for something as profitable as Pokemon because to some degree they need to keep with what people know because sadly the real answer is that most things that are crazily insanely po- you know popular and really 
big money pits are things that change very little across a long thing because people like that sense of knowing what it is. Yeah. I can tell you right now, as someone who's been playing Pokemon since he was like six, I want them to change nothing. Exactly. Literally that's what I'm nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's and I think that you're honestly like, and for a long time I was too, right? The only thing I really wanted to see them change is how are they going to graphically represent this game? Well, and and speaking of graphics, you know? I told Brett this like five years ago of like I would be so pumped for them just to make a Pokemon game, not in the same way like I think it was around X and Y that we were talking about this maybe or maybe more recent than that. But I was talking about like I want the graphics of a Pokemon game, it doesn't always have to go to 3D player models. It can go to the chibi art style. It's kind of what we got in Diamond and Pearl, where it's like the chibi art style, but it's updated to what it looks like to this day and age. Um, and then you leave for your overworld. And then you leave your Pokemon battles to let you sort of let the hardware really shine. See, and I find that I would honestly rather it be consistent across the board. One of the things I dislike personally in the diamond thing is that your character looks like a little, you know, Fisher Price little guy. And then you walk around, and then when you get into a battle, everybody, you're having to do twice the texture or well, twice the modeling. To be I fair, think it would make way more Pokemon sense in, up until yeah. X and Y. X and Y. X started, and Y was the first one yeah. where it was like, do one model and let one model be everything. You're actually making the game harder on yourself to have to model out this character in both a chibi form and then a big form. I think it makes way more sense and looks more consistent for me in a way that I enjoy to just have the character models be the same between the overworld and the battle screen. That's a personal thing for me. See, for me, I would want every Pokemon game from now to the end of time to look like Emerald. See, it's crazy. Actually, yes. I think black and white, (laughs) as much as I didn't like black and white, I got bored of it from a gameplay standpoint, black and white being basically the same pixel art that it always was, yeah. But having a, this weird 3D element, but that not like 3D. And, you know, I, I hate in animes when there's suddenly a layer, like everything's hand-drawn, but then suddenly something like a vehicle is 3D animated mm-hmm. and it feels like it fish out of water. One of my favorite things is that there's a scene when you're going to the main city in black and white where you're crossing the bridge and the bri- the camera starts to turn and pin, but everything still looks pixel art. And I was like, this is cool as hell. Yeah. And as much as I ended up, for, you know, dropping that game at the very end, I thought visually, Poke- this is probably the epitome of Pokemon stylistically. If they could continue to just make them be pixel oriented, but find ways to continue to move the, the the thing, I don't know. A lot of that game had good ideas, like seeing the the spots where the feathers would fall fall on the bridge, and you could walk underneath yeah. them and grab the feathers. Give me give me a remake of Fire Red and change nothing but make it 4K. Mm. You know, I think I think what I'm what I'm getting to here is I I think that because I never I didn't hate Breath of the Wild, Uh, I never did. I I didn't love it either, and I I wasn't drawn to keep playing it. I think I need to take the Chris approach here. Maybe I just need to replay Breath of the Wild. I don't have like a strong urge to do so, but maybe if I just try and suffer through that feeling of indifference long enough to get to where it does strike with me because see so this is i don't have that but I, I could recommend maybe i could i could recommend you to play it the way i'm playing um it might be a little you more own challenging, that one physically or did you sell it no, i'm dead it's dead digitally yeah i figured but um the way i'm playing it currently Your is that, like physically i could play it that way yeah uh i am i'm i'm doing no main part of the main quest at all i'm specifically grinding out shrines and unlocking all the map to get the master sword and then i'm going to take the master sword and then I'm going to take, there's a shrine that lets you take all your hearts and put them, you can swap, go from stamina to hearts. I'm going to put like half my hearts back in the stamina wheel. And then I'm gonna, then going to go grind guardians to get the guardian armor. 
and then I'm just going to literally blow through the rest of the game and go to the DLC. So, you know how there's some games where I feel like playing through the story is a good way to get you... Uh, it's actually kind of like Chris said the other day. He was watching uh, <laughs> He was watching Lord of the Rings, and he was watching... He started with the extended edition, and I actually said that I think the best way to watch Lord of the Rings when you've never actually seen them is, not, is yeah. to watch the theater releases, yeah. and then on rewatch to do the other... Is Breath of the Wild, this is a good question. Do you feel like Breath of the Wild is a better game to the first time do what I did and try and focus on story so that that grips you? Or do you think that the actual thing to do is to, unlike that, go ahead and dig into all the extras? Uh, if I'm, I'm going to replay I don't it, think there's a wrong way. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, the first time I ever played it, I did that. I went through all the Divine Beasts first. Yeah. And of course, you got to think of it this way. I did do some side content because I found the Master Sword. I didn't get to pull it. Yeah. But I was working on trying to get it. Well, before and, I got bored. And every Divine Beast gives you a heart upgrade. So, like, technically, by the time you're done with the main storyline of the game, you're you could do, yeah, you have four hearts there. Like, right now, I haven't done a single Divine Beast. I'm at 11, so I need two more hearts. Yeah. Two more full hearts to be able to pull it out. Um, but, like, I'm experimenting with recipe crafting. I can craft a recipe that gives me, you know, 14 or whatever the max. It's uh, not 14. 30. song. 30 full hearts. Do what? The song for cooking is incredible. Oh yeah, the 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 I can't even do, replicate it, but it's really good. But yeah, it's like I'm doing recipes now, so that like I have attack up recipes, defense up recipes. All my I have literally two full rolls of golden hearts. Yeah, and I'm replaying it as a power fantasy. I, I know, I know how to go through. It's like <laughs> okay. how I play Dark Souls. I know how to go through and break <laughs> this game. I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability now, even though there's better ways. Anyways, enough of the the Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's that's fair. Our Nintendo Hour of every episode. It's not a PlayStation podcast without one of those. I, and I never play Nintendo, so that's really hard. <laughs> it's hard to pull that off. So we went through Chris's list. Chris, if you had you, I think I already know the answer to it because you actually have your list is is organized. But Dying Light is your most anticipated game for the next year. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. Chris. This quick yes. Did you beat Playtale Innocence? No, not yet. Okay. Do you intend to before Requiem? Is that what's going I on? I do, yeah. Gotcha. Great game. I'm really interested to see how you like it. I know you've played some of it, but I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see how you like I it. Like a quarter of the way through. We had talked the about game, doing the spoiler chat, so I stopped and then we never yeah, did. So the game changes back. a lot in the last and then the latter half, uh, mechanically mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah, we started to get the rats. To. Mm-hmm. So with that said, all right. So list where they line up stray. We've already said it's kind of just an enigma, but I think it does look good. <laughs> but I think it's just because I'm imagining what it's going to be to just be able to walk around as a cat. It's I just want be a cat funny. RPG. Yeah, it's going to be funny if in the one time it actually comes out, you don't even play as a cat. <laughs> oh, I'd be so mad. I would request I, a refund. Like, I'd be like, why did you, you false advertised? <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I want a refund. Like, I don't. What the? What is this? Yeah, okay. Horizon Forbidden West is on my thing because clearly I love the first one despite some of its flaws and it is a game with flaws even though I still enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's no days gone, but I mean, you know. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> I do love the game, but I think that Days Gone did a better job of characterizing its people on a more broad spectrum, whereas there's only like three really well-written characters within Horizon <laughs> and they're really well-written, but the rest of them are like, whoo, this is pretty rough, um, but I do like Horizon. I think that the gameplay is really fun, and I find, as I've said before, though I think you disagree, that Horizon and Days Gone have a through line in gameplay to me in the way that you 
use all these different mechanics with the environment all together to get where you want to go. And now, of course, they're different because one is modern with guns and one's more bow-driven. But I think a lot of the same things are there, like using sound decoys to get people to go together so that then you can set a bomb on a thing of logs and get them to chase you back and then blow up the logs and roll them all over the zombies. That's a very... It reminds me of like setting up all these trip lines so that you can get the Thunderjaw to do the trip line and then fall and then you can knock its thing off its back so that then you can use it. It's close enough for me that I feel that connection uh, and I really enjoyed that. Um, so that looks awesome. So are you going to do for Horizon? I know you're doing Horizon if you are at least after Elden Ring. Yeah, so Horizon is not on my list. I am looking forward to it, but I wouldn't say it's one of the most looked for titles for me. Um, mainly just because we've talked about it before. It's almost like Spider-Man where I think or I thought that Spider-Man, you know, on first playthrough I was like, "You know what? This game's good. It's great even." But it's not as good as I hoped it was. And that's kind of the sentiment I had about Horizon. However, all my complaints deviated from playing Spider-Man again because at that point, I wasn't rushing to figure out what the story was. Yeah. Um, and on, on my second throw of playing Spider-Man, I'm like, this is this is probably my top three best PlayStation pla- like uh, exclusives for PS4 where I should replay Horizon Forbidden Dawn to kind of to kind of make that same assumption or to kind of have that same opinion. Maybe mm-hmm. my only issue is, is that I got the platinum my first time playing it. So it you have very little reason, no to... reason to go back other than that. Yeah. Um, but I will say like, it has been since launch that I played this game Me too. and I probably will play it again before I play forbidden West. Um, and you know, something I've said before, you know, there's looking at my list. I, I'm trying not to buy a lot of games at launch anymore because I have wasted a lot of money doing that. <laughs> Um, there's three games, actually four games on this list that I'll definitely buy within launch. Now, and why do you say, why, just so I can understand, you say you waste money because you end up not liking them? No. Or well, because you buy them and then you never end up playing them? So it's just not, so I can understand it's, really, it's really kind of half of the second part where I'll buy them. Like I bought Division 2, never played it, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I bought The Last of Us 2, haven't played it yet. I have bought games like that before. And I just haven't got around to playing them yet. And I don't really have a big motivational drive to play them mm-hmm. currently. Mm-hmm. Um, Division 2, mainly because I don't have friends to play it with. Last of Us 2, because I got spoiled for it. Um, so there's kind of like this, in my head, there's like, you know, I need, I'll, well, there's one day where I'll be in a mood. And I'm like, I'm going to play through The Last of Us 2. And I'm going to play it that way. Um, but also, with the way games come out now, it just seems like waiting is a no-brainer. You're, you're, you're to get a more polished product if you wait. And let's say let's say if a game launches and it's perfectly fine, then you lose nothing when waiting yeah. because it's already perfectly fine. Um, you typically get it at a cheaper price because most games that come out nowadays are within discounts within two months, easily. I- even if it's ten to twenty bucks off, yeah. But most of the time we see to see them at forty. Um, but unless it's a game I'm playing with friends <sighs> together or with a group of friends separately, like Sons of Forest is day one. Day, Sons of Forest is day one. <laughs> no if, joke. No if, doubt. if you're going to get, which I know y'all are going to get Dying Light 2 day one, because if he gets it, you get it. So I'll get that day one. Triangle Strategy is day one. And I'm probably going to say Pokemon Legends is day one because I'll have a group of people playing it with me, which will help motivate me to finish it if it's not something I dislike. Yeah. The rest of the games on my list, I don't know if I'll get day one, but it's hard to tell. Sometimes like these games could come out and they have such high praises when they first launch. I'm like, I'll get the day one. That's how Loop Hero was. It has such high praises. I'm like, I'll buy day one. 
Yeah, but that's you, you have the thing of where Loop Hero is already out on a different thing, so people can already sing their praises. Yeah. So the difference when a game comes out all at once is like it had to have like really crazy good reviews and like and, and some kind of sense around it that's like I should get that day one. Yeah, and um, it's it's just for me. It's you know I, I say that this is the first year looking at this list here where I could actually see myself getting all of these games day one. Because because and, of how they are, and what yeah. They are, just yeah. just you know, I have like Elden Ring is obvious day one for me. I'm taking a vacation for it. The rest of the games on the list are all worthy of getting day one. The one that I would not consider under normal circumstances is Starfield, but it's going to be free to me, so yes. I do not care. I will play it day one. So and actually, we so we'll, we'll get there in a long run. But essentially, my my side of that is yeah, I have gotten to where. Um, Chris and I, of course, game share. So sometimes when I know Chris has been looking forward to a game that I'm not willing to play just yet, I'll go ahead and buy it so that he can dip his toes in if he wants because I end up benefiting from him. But for the for the main idea, I have gotten to where I don't buy a game until I'm ready to play it. So yep, much like exactly. you, right? You, like you bought The Last of Us 2 and you have that thing of like one day I'll get a wild hair to play. I bought it. I would rather just wait to buy The Last of Us 2 for the one wild hair day where I go, I want to play The Last of Us 2. Well, here's, and then you just get it for 20 bucks. Here's why. Well, <laughs> I got mine for 35 Yeah, and it was the week that they announced that there's PS5 upgrades. Yeah, so I remember I, that. I got it and it was on sale so mm-hmm. i was like you know this is you know I, it's a no-brainer at this point yeah uh um, and reality is is that, that that game is still like a 40 dollar game no matter what even then yeah and so yeah you still got it at a better at the price time it wasn't, get it right now. at the time it was still oh, I know, priced I know, yeah. um and even then I, you know from some of the things that i've seen or i've been spoiled on i should say um i know that i'm not gonna like it as much as the last of us one but i still have a feeling that i'm still gonna love it it's just it, it's hard you know, it's kind of like Horizon. It's like Horizon is the exact opposite, right? I think you'll love gameplay for sure. For, well, that forbidden the feels great. The Forbidden West, it looks like it did everything in the way to upgrade Horizon. Forbidden Dawn, then there is possible Zero like, Dawn or Zero Dawn. I keep saying Forbidden Dawn. Yeah, Horizon um, Zero Dawn. It looks like every single thing that we've seen so far is a massive upgrade to that. Yeah, um, and the really the only thing I think absolutely needed upgrade was. NPC interactions and NPC voicing and yeah. which, and which something they've already kind of worked like, on mocap because yeah. well I mean I'm talking about in terms of gameplay too we have yeah. more monster variety sure. uh, mm-hmm. we have more location variety mm-hmm. um, but it just it you know that's one of those that's like I can I can hold off on for a while but we'll keep on with your list and we'll okay. get we'll get down to mine next one up Ghostwire Tokyo um, I still don't even know what that game is it's weird I have zero pedigree of love for the developer behind it because Tango GameWorks just made the uh, Evil Within one and two, and I didn't. I did not like the Evil Within one. I, I, I tried I, it. I don't think it's a fun. terrible game, but I don't think it's that compelling either. I've heard like better it. things about two, but it had that problem of uh, a lot of Bethesda games did, where sequels came out for games that didn't necessarily do great the first time around anyway, and then they just get lost to obscurity. It's it sucks because it happened with Ghostwire, or it happened with a. Uh, it happened with Pray. the Evil Within two. It happened with Dishonored oh, Prey. two. Pray. It happened with Prey coming back around, even though that wasn't necessarily a two. Oh, even Prey one it happened two. None with of the original Prey. Yeah, it happened with Wolfenstein two. two. Boy, Wolfenstein two sold terrible, and they, honestly, I think it's a better game than the first one. I think Ooh, the weird thing is, is that what I think all of those games are better than the first ones. I think Dishonored two is better than Dishonored one. From what I've heard, <laughs> no, the Evil Within two is better than the Evil Within one. No, no, no on are, what Wolfenstein. Yeah, no, Wolfenstein 1 Way was hot garbage. Less That's not Look at how bad Prey 2 looks. 
Prey 2 never came out, though, right? No, it was canceled. Yeah, that's what I thought. Very different game. Prey 1 was weird. Prey 1 was the one where you were like a Native Native American. American. Native American. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sorry, Chris. I'm going to disagree with you hard on that one. I tried so hard to play the first game, and I just thought it was super non-compelling in every Which one? possible way. Wolfenstein 1. Oh, I like. I know you liked it. Yeah, that's why I even platinum. picked it up. And I felt like I wasted $10. It, it felt like <laughs> a very old school um, like PS2 shooter game. It yeah, was, that, it was almost yeah like exactly. Watching, it's exactly what it felt like. It, it's what I it ma- felt like Killzone 1. <laughs> it's what I maintain Which about a- <laughs> Captain America, the winner, or not the Winter Soldier. What's the first Captain America movie called? First the Avenger. First, Avenger. The first Avenger. That movie feels like you're watching a PS2 World War II game cutscene. <laughs> the entire movie. But I like it for that. That's pretty accurate. I'm in <laughs> for that. Those sepia tones. <laughs> yeah. Everything in World War it, II is apparently like, sepia. It's like, yeah, it's like sepia, like grayish blue, like brown. It's, it, I liked Captain America for that reason. Also, y'all, y'all need to go see, you need to see Doctor Strange. That's still my second favorite Marvel movie. Well, he's seen it, of course. No, I'm just I saying I'm telling the audience. That's, that's my second favorite. Uh, anyway, Ghostwire yeah, Tokyo sorry. looks a lot like an immersive sim style thing, but even if it doesn't end up being that, it has like Bioshock and Prey level. Now, it's Prey is an immersive sim, to be fair, but it has Bioshock look to it. No, Prey is. Okay. Uh, Bio- like, what Bioshock is really isn't an immersive sim. I mean, it's an immersive game and there's storytelling elements to it, but it's yeah. not It's not as strong and it doesn't have as much free choice for how you choose things as most immersive sims do. I'd say there's an argument that if you wanted to make it an immersive sim in your mind, you could. I think you could. I mean, It's not like the furthest thing, but I don't, Currently categorized, I don't way, but I love I love Bioshock, uh, both one and um, <laughs> and Infinite. Bioshock Two is an all right game, but it's not great. Bioshock it's, Two, it's is Donovan, better. if you're listening, I would it's, say Bo- Donovan, if you're listening to this, he also thinks Bioshock Two is better. Did y'all ever play Bioshock or ba- Battleshock? Bioshock Two's multiplayer? Uh, no. no, I didn't. Actually. Did you Did you know that it was like level ranked? So, like, if I was in multiplayer and I was level two and I was in a game with level forty five, I would not win. There, it was 100%. Uh, they had better gear it was than like, me. It was like MAG. Yeah. That was like, the only was, problem with MAG for it, me is that if you started late, you were screwed. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not even if you started late. You would get match made with higher ranking people. Oh, no. And you literally had a disadvantage. It's Ooh. not like in Halo where level 45, other than skill, level 45 is going to demolish level 12. This was sure. you're not going to win. Yeah. But Ghostwire looks good for those reasons. I like that style of game, and I do have Prey on my computer, and I've been trying to figure out exactly when I'm going to start playing it. It's a game that Prey is good. You have to, to you have to remember a bunch of stuff and kind of think. So it's a game I kind of want to play uninterrupted, which I don't know when I'm going to make time for that. So it's probably going to have to be one of those times where I turn back to old Brett and play only Prey for like a week. You know what I mean? And nothing else. Which this right now would have been the week to do it, honestly. Which right now I've told Chris that I'm going to be playing Destiny with him and I want to try and finish some other stuff and try and play a little bit more Hitman 3 and see what it turns into. And apparently Dying Light has to be worked in there somewhere. But I'm not playing Dying well, Light Dying alone. Light. I'm playing Dying Light with one of you bastards, okay? Dying Light is that. January, right? Well, I'm talking about Dying I mean, Light January. 1. Oh, oh, oh. Dying yeah. Light 2 is like March, isn't it? It's February. Fe- it's, oh, it is it's February. Not, is it February? It ended I thought up, it was January. No, it ended up no, in the February, February stack, sadly. It's like Oof. very beginning of February. That's yeah. why I, I have no interest in Elden Ring. That's why it's not on my list, because Dying Light's ten times more important to me than that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And All like, right, oof. so much like Saul said, Starfield... Uh, 
partially because it's free because I'll get it on Game Pass, but also I want to see what they do with a genuinely new IP because it's been so long since Bethesda Game Studios have done a literally new IP that I almost wonder if they have the mojo. This might be what they need to get their creative rockers going, so we'll see. Or it might be a massive failure. It could be. They do have the mojo because Skyrim is an original IP from them, so... Almost, yeah. <laughs> In a very weird way. No, it is. They, they treat it like it. its original IP. It huh? is. Isn't it? It's, they made it's it. It's the Elder Scrolls. That's what I'm saying. Well, no, 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 no. Like, it's Elder Scrolls. Right, yeah, the Elder Scrolls I'm is saying, their IP. That's what I meant. Yes, but what I mean is they have not developed a new ID, uh, oh, IP yeah, yeah. since before Morrowind, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, no, I, I don't right. even... Um, I think it might. I think it might even go further back. No, than I'm that. pretty sure all they do is Skyrim and and Fallout right now. And they and before yeah, well yeah, well they do Elder Scrolls. Don't be doing this. Don't <laughs> be that means don't be the calling same everything thing Sky- No, it does not. It does to me because I don't care I'm about any of the other ones. <laughs> Morrowind is is a top tier game. If they would just take out the stupid you dice roll mechanic, I, well, I just don't realize something. Hold on. I just I was gonna say that I just never. I love something. that about that game. That was some, that's something that's almost comparable to Breath of the Wild, where. That's another open world game that feels refreshing for an oddball yep. reason you don't see anymore. But then if you get to a city, you can use the silt striders to go to other cities. So you're not blocked off from moving around the world quickly or in a way that gets you to where you know you need to go. I should give that a second chance. I would tell you to play it in Moro Oblivion. Is that even out? <sighs> I don't think so. What are you talking about? Moro Oblivion. Yeah, Moro Oblivion's been out forever. It's Sky It's Sky, sky Oblivion. Or, no, it's Sky yeah. that's not out. But honestly, I think that you would... I think that you'd have a closer experience to the first game playing it through Oblivion's engine because the problem with Skywind is it's going to be like Skyrim. So it's it's going to be a lot less traditional RPG. So it just depends on the way you want to play the game. Whereas Oblivion has a lot more holdovers from Morrowind in it. The only one that it really, really took away was the whole D&D behind the scenes dice roll of whether or not you actually land your hit. Actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that if I fully understood it. If I took the time to understand the reason, it. it's a stat that you can work on. The reason I don't like it is because you you literally see your sword hit something, but you don't hit it, and that doesn't work. It'd be different if the dice roll was like when you swing, it makes you miss. That'd I, be fine. I've seen, um, but your your sword hits it, and it says zero damage, and you're like, "This is bull." I hit that dude. Well, I've actually seen that. Like you technically are hitting them. You're not doing damage to them. Um, that you see displayed on the health bar because you don't have enough wisdom or something like they they gave it a very like tropey yeah, explanation whatever. that I've seen or a fan theory. But I, I hope say. Starfield's good, and I think I do too. Them moving away from their own original IP being very driven in like f- high fantasy. It's cool to see them move towards sci-fi, and I want to see what they do with that uh, because in a way you have what would you what would you guys consider Fallout? I mean, it's sci-fi in a lot of ways but that like you know that old school like 30s aspect of it yeah there's something about that because just as um the outer worlds has a very sci-fi hand and i think it's more sci-fi driven um it still has that old like slapsticky style of like advertising and everything that fallout uses so Whatever that is, uh, is interesting. So let's see. Tunic is a. I don't even know what that is. Tunic is a game that looks a lot like Zelda, but it's top down. You play as a fox, and it's clearly wears its inspiration on its sleeve. Oh, I knew that. And it looks 
awesome. Yeah, because he's literally holding the Hyrulean shield in this in this image. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Yeah, I think the art style looks awesome. I'm a big fan of the top down Zelda games, and it looks like we're not going to get a new one anytime soon. That's not like a remake of an old one. Is this coming to Switch? So I'm excited for that. I think it's an Xbox One console exclusive when it hits consoles, but Oof. it'll be on PC. Um, so I, I think that looks awesome, and I really. Since Nintendo's not going to give us that, I, like, one of my favorite games of this, which I guess to your point, Chris, about Pokemon, right, is like sometimes it is good to have a, a, a thing that doesn't change a lot because I am quite fond of the classic Zelda top-down. and You don't really got to change much. They always change just enough, like Link Between Worlds having the little oh, uh, such a good mechanic where you can attach to the wall was fun. But I actually think my favorite mechanic is that you could do the game in any order you wanted to, which was not originally how those games worked. I like mm. that you could go to the store and buy anything and just go off to whatever dungeon you want to complete. Yeah. So Tunic looks awesome. I'm excited for that. A Plague Tale Requiem, we've already talked about that. I think it looks really good. Rune Factory 5, baby. I had to put that back on my list. I'm ready to see if I can get lost in the world of Rune Factory again after all my hours of Rune Factory 4. Uh, So I'm excited for that. But at the same time, I kind of think I might wait until Rune Factory 5 comes on PlayStation. Because since Rune Factory 4 Special Edition hit PlayStation 4, I see no reason for them to not look at this and be like, okay, yeah, let's really set on PlayStation as well. It'll probably have a window of, of exclusivity with Nintendo. But I'll decide whether I want to wait or if I want to well, give my Factory Switch 5? a play. Yeah. I think it's only announced for Switch right now. It is only announced oh, okay. for Switch right now. But they also just released Rune Factory 4 for PlayStation 4. <sighs> oh, I see what you're saying. So if I wait, I may get it on PlayStation 4 and I can put my $100 towards a Platinum. Got to get that cool. Platinum. I would never get a Platinum in a farming sim like that. Ever. Well, it's, all, it's also not a farming sim. Yeah, I guarantee it's going to have farming sim trophies, though. I, I guarantee that it would as well. But if you're, if you're able to spread that out throughout action, gameplay, and then romance stuff... You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's Dang, how really much is factory? Uh, Triangle Strategies on mine. We've already talked about that. Gran Turismo 7. I'm a big Gran Turismo fan. And Sport was good, but it didn't hold my attention because it missed a lot of the Gran Turismo staples. Glad to see those coming back around. So I'm hoping that can pull my interest, definitely, since I don't have much in the way of an arcade racer that's really doing anything for me. So I'm going to lean into my sim style <coughs> of things. Um Ryan, if you're listening, I'm going to buy. I'm gonna really. I'm gonna borrow my dad's, so I'm gonna try and buy the same one. I'm gonna buy one of the chair setups. So if I like it, I'm gonna be hitting you up about how the the butt kicker that you bought works, and I might buy one of those too, so I can get the little uh, seat vibration. There's a uh, a video on Linus Tech Tips you should watch of him setting up like a four thousand dollar like racing setup. Oh, I guarantee. And it's that. it's like it it's so like hardcore that like when they were turning, the amount of feedback the steering wheel is putting on your hands like hurt. Oh, dude, yeah, my steering wheel it it hurts yeah. <laughs> when it starts to turn if you're it's hitting off. Absolutely crazy looking. Yeah, I've got the uh what is it, the G29. I quite like that wheel. It's pretty nice. It's just right now I don't have a good thing to set it up on. So setting it up on this desk like I usually do just kind of sucks. Um, I don't need it. <laughs> Was this Rune Factory 4? Yeah, I don't need it. I Dude, I, I'm really torn about buying it on PlayStation 4, but I know that I've played that game enough that I don't need to do it again. You should, because yeah. I so. want to try it, but I won't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is, is it $60? It's, no. it's 30 bucks on Switch. I, I is it 30 it. on PlayStation 4? I'm um, not buy it just for you, Chris. That'd be cool. It is, it is, it is the perfect combination of like, honestly, I think that this game is why I don't like Stardew Valley as much as I could. Oh, that's exactly well, it. It gives you everything about the farming sims, but then everything else is more fun because you can get bored of the farming. Like, I'm going to go kill stuff. I'm going to go fish. I'm going to craft some stuff. I'm going to go talk to this girl and work on my relationship. It's on sale for $26.99 right now, but from 30 
Boy. So honestly, if anybody's listening that wants a really good like farming sim slash JRPG, right, Chris, I've got I've got tons of reward points. I don't know what to do with. Here we are. <laughs> All right, there I'll you go. Right this now. this game is phenomenal. Uh, but, I'm gonna finish my list up then. That way we can let Saul start talking and go through. Yes. I have Stalker Stalker Two on mine. Heart of Chernobyl looks awesome. Also, it's free, so why not? But I do think the game looks really cool. It's one is of it the, free? How's it free? Game Pass. Game Pass. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> it's Game Pass Day One. Uh, Triangle Strategy, we've already talked about. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm going you're, through you're this repeating. again, aren't I? I don't think I said Chernobyl. God of War Ragnarok ain't confirmed for 2020. God of War Ragnarok, Two. but that may not be 2022. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Elden Ring looks really good. I'm willing to take a chance on Forspoken. I will buy it because I have award points, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'll play it too. <laughs> I, I'm willing to try it. I am very torn on it, but I've been wanting Square to make a new AAA IP, and this is the closest we're going to get to that. So, time to see what their chops are. Um, and then, lastly, Marvel's Midnight Sun. Now, Saul did aware make me aware of the fact that I left off probably the most important game on here. Uh, not really, but I Honestly, do love it. It's, Sons it's, of the it's, Forest. It's is, probably my second most anticipated. I'm very excited for that game. But it's been doing this thing where it dips in and out of when it's going to release. So I guess part of me didn't put it on my list because I don't truly believe it'll release next year. But yeah, I it's, hope it it's, does. I hope it does. Um, so. so we'll just get that list. We'll just get that off my list right now as Sons of the Forest. For those that have friends that want to play a really good survival game, go play The Forest on PlayStation 4. It's a little wonky because it's not made by many people. but And it's old at it's, this point. It's it like is a 2017 old. game. Yeah, and it is... It is really good. If you played it at launch, it's nothing like it was at launch from what I've been told. Because um, I had a buddy that did. He did not like it at launch. Um, uh-oh. Chris is beeping over here. No, our earbuds are beeping because the debtor might be dying. <laughs> no, that was Chris's PlayStation. Oh, was, was it? Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just go down my list, though, other than the for- Sons of the Forest. Uh, dying Light 2, Stay Human. Um, I've been looking for a new game to play with friends that's not Halo um, or Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic. <laughs> so something fresh. And I like Dying Light 1. I never played it co-op, though. So this is going to be interesting to play. Um, Elden Ring, obviously. Um, that's, that's <laughs> If you've been listening to this show, obviously. Yeah, I, I can't, you know. that's If there was a way to get PlayStation 5 captured properly and easily, I would 100% be doing a let's play of this for my first time ever because I'm going on vacation. But from what I've heard, capture cards on PlayStation 5 are iffy. It's actually better to use the inbuilt software uh, to capture gameplay. Um, Triangle strategy because I am a massive tactics fan and um, this is also done um, so well by Square. And I also loved uh, Bravely Default. I mean, not Bravely Default, uh, Octopath Traveler. And this game, you know, shares similarities in it, and it has like even parts of Fire Emblem, and I love Fire Emblem. So this Call game for me. Did you play Fell um, Seal Arbiter's Mark? Uh uh-uh, uh, what is that? You should you should give it a shot. What is this called? Fell Seal Arbiter's Mark. Ooh, yep. this actually looks pretty cool. It's like a um, high fantasy tactics game. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, this looks really cool. Interesting. I'll have to actually. I'm just gonna leave that up on that page so I won't forget. Um, Stalker Two, Heart of Chernobyl. Now, I did play Stalker One. I did not beat it. I think I almost did, if I remember correctly. Um, however, I'm kind of I'm kind of weird with that. That game was really good from a very technical 
gameplay aspect. It is a very hard game to play. Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard that a lot. Like people love it, but it's also kind of badly made. I wouldn't <laughs> say it's badly made. It's just so in depth at like the, at the, the gameplay that I I'm almost certain that Stalker Two is not going to be that way. It's there's no way because that, that I don't think that that game could be open to the general like. Not saying this just to be, you know, a snob about it, but it's so technical. I don't think just the, a, a very casual gamer could play it. It's it is very deep. It is, and um, I never beat it for that reason. Um, I kind of lost interest in it because it got so overwhelmingly like difficult. Um, not even difficult, just too much of a brain space to worry about. Um. So I'm definitely excited for that game. Now that we're getting it for free, that I, I forgot about, then obviously, yeah. Part of the reason I ended up, um, part of the reason I ended up doing or being interested in it is I think it looks really interesting when they showed it off at the Xbox showcase. But it gives me vibes of what I liked about Metro, but with a new, like a new swing to it. You know what I mean? It is very much like. I don't know. It's what, like a more in-depth Metro is what it feels like. What game came first, Stalker or Metro? Because uh, this game I, feels... I think the original Metro came first, uh, 2033. Because when did the first Stalker come out? Oh, like 2008, I think, or 2009. I might be wrong. Well, find it's, that it's out. Because Metro 2033 was like 2008 or 9 itself. Um, 2006. 2010 was 2033. Oh, so oh, the, oh, no. The game takes place in 2006. Um, the original Stalker came out in 2007, Shadow of Chernobyl. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit older. That, yeah, a little I, bit older. Yeah. I didn't play that one. I played, oh, I say that. Yeah, I knew the game looked quite rough because if you look at it now because it's very old. Is there a version but that I, comes with the Call of Pripyat um, DLC? What, actually, I have Steam. I had what Steam an interesting thing for Xbox to kind of pull back out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Well, Stalker, let me say yeah. this: Is Stalker Two actually happening from a Xbox Studio? No, no, it's just a so they're exclusive. yeah, they're just paying for it to be exclusive. I played Stalker One for seventy hours total, and a lot of that was figuring out how to play the game. But it's been so long since I played this game that I don't. I may be talking about it and remembering it is harder than it was. I might be wrong. Oh, I didn't realize this game's on Unreal Engine Five. I might be remembering this game a little wrong, so it's because it's been it's been a long time since I played this. Um, but yeah, Stalker Two, Heart of Chernobyl is definitely on the list. Um, get back over to my list. Um, so this is the original developer still making this. That's cool. I didn't know that. Considering how old the last one, you know, you, you look at it, it's it's easy to be like, ah, you know, it's probably somebody else coming back and picking up the mantle. But this is the original developer. This game also had some really interesting horror aspects about the game. Um, but uh, we talked about Starfield already. Starfield is obviously one of mine. It's free for me. Um, and like what Brett said, it's very interesting to see Bethesda take on a brand new IP. How mad would you be if Starfield was actually not a brand new IP? What if it like led into, I don't know, like Skyrim somehow? They time travel backing like you wake up in the carriage. The, the crazy thing about Elder Scrolls, and I actually think that this could be done in a way that's cool, but doesn't necessarily completely ruin the way they do this game. They could easily tie this in because the Elder Scrolls allow passage of time. So you could have the Elder Scrolls yeah. still be involved in this, but I would still consider it a new IP in the sense that it would be moved enough forward where they're just using that as a story device. But 
the game still works without you knowing anything about the Elder Scrolls past. It's like there's games that do that in the sense where it ends up being like this cool Easter egg for people who are in the know, but it doesn't break anything for if you're not in the know, which I would imagine that if you're playing Starfield, you've probably paid, played Skyrim because that's wh- who hasn't played Skyrim at this point, or you've played Fallout 4. But if you've played Skyrim, then you know about the Elder Scrolls because there's a literal story mission in that game where you have to go and get the Elder Scroll and use it to travel through time. It's, it's literally the whole point of the mission. What if what if that's why you got arrested in Skyrim? So like, here's what they're gonna do: they're gonna do like Assassin's Creed style game, like where someone takes place in the past and someone takes place so far in the future. Oh god! You're arrested for crossing the border of time. Mm. That's why you're gonna be headed. You're not getting beheaded just for some random little thing <clears throat> crossing a little border. You're actually broke time laws, so they're gonna behead you for it. But they didn't know that whenever they were going. No, like, they knew that. The it's just a conspiracy. So like, you just never knew that. So ah, uh, because it's, a, it's it's part of the Thalmor, right? Yes, the Thalmor. Because the Thalmor are the, are there in Helgen. Dude, watch like there'd be like astronautic. That would actually Thalmor, be pretty sweet. That'd like, be pretty sick. Yeah, like you could because Thalmor, like they're they're simply just wearing Elven set, but you could totally see like a, I could totally see like an astronaut helmet having like gold being like, sci-fi. Yeah, like Thalmor like, with the Thalmor being sci-fi turned. That would be kind of cool. How I, I wouldn't crazy. be mad at it. It just depends on how they do it. You know how what I mean? How crazy would I be if we were right, dude? How how like I'd honestly I'd be so like I'd be so enthused with Bethesda for doing something so original that. Because you got to think about it. Nobody in the world would see that coming. I mean, honestly, it's almost like it's almost like if I don't think that we're the first people. And I know I've already talked about the Elder Scrolls potentially being able to be part of Starfield because it was before we even had a trailer. You had yeah. very little to work off of. Um, but there were some people because I think that there's some kind of story in the Elder Scrolls lore, whether it be five or I don't know which game it came in. But I think there's a book that has something that people are like, this is probably what it's going to be. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, it would be really cool if, if they did something like that. I would not be mad at them. Um, but then the last one on my list is uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. From pretty much what we've talked about, I'm just kind of excited to see where they go with the series and see how they do it. If this turns out to be a mainline game and it works out well, I would be fine with it. But I would hope they would not you know, forget their roots because it's, it's just one of those things that's, you know, it's hard to beat classical Pokemon games. It's one of the very few last Bastion RPGs we have left. Where it is, I'll it give is it that. That's why based. I'm never mad if they don't change it, but yeah. that's losing its luster for me for whatever reason. Be it time, that might be what it is too. The last time I really loved a Pokemon game, I had way more time than I do these days, and Pokemon games take a lot of time. And the most fun part of Pokemon has zero to do with the actual main story. The majority of what it is to me is the end game is what makes it fun. You know, um, also. I remember what it was that I saw. Someone said that they thought Starfield was going to use the Elder Scrolls or something as a way to tie together the Elder Scrolls and Fallout to be in one universe. That'd be interesting. That was what they were going to be able to pull off with this game. If they do, that's cool, but who knows? Chris, would you be mad if the if Fallout was part of the Elder Scrolls world? I know you're a Fallout 4 fan and 3 fan and wait, wait, New wait, Vegas What's the country called in Skyrim? No, it wouldn't affect it at all. So It is Tamriel. Is it? Yeah, Tamriel is the continent. That's right. That everything's on? No, because there would be no effect on the world at all, really. Like, yeah, it'd just be something where you know they're tangentially tied, but they don't really affect each other in any real way. Yeah. All right, but right now, I can't think of the guy's name who has uh, Preston. What's what's his name? Preston Press- Garvey. Yeah, the guy who's the settlement. <laughs> yeah, Preston Garvey. Uh, 
So what if in what if in the Elder Scroll Six, Preston Garvey comes through a, a thing because he used the Elder Scroll, and then he's in that game, and he's like Dragonborn. <laughs> of course, you'll be the Dragonborn again. Dragonborn, the settlement needs your help. <laughs> that would that would be fine with it. Hey, real real question: Do you guys think that because of their big move in Skyrim, even with the uh, Hearthstone thing, and then in Fallout Four, moving into the full on like, hey, you're going to construct bases? Do you think they're going to have this building element like as a main pillar of Elder Scrolls Six? I hope not. It sucks. I hope not too. I don't like it in Fallout Four at all. I have a friend who just spends hours and hours and hours building, and I'm so happy that she loves it. I did not give a crap. <laughs> I just didn't. And I was like, I don't know why they're spending. I I like that Skyrim did the DLC as like a completely separate thing. Like you can go do it if you want, but we're mm. not going to force it on the main game. I think it's such a, I don't know. It feels like a pacing thing where I, I don't want to have to constantly be like, please take care of the settlement. I don't even want you to talk to me about it. I don't want settlements. Different style of game though, right? A settlement makes more sense in a post-apocalyptic world than it does actually, a high fantasy world. <laughs> I like the settlement building only because it gave me different reasons to play the game. Different ways to play the game? No, different reasons. What do you mean by reasons? Like it, it gave me like that was the second time I ever played it, uh, played through it. And I was like, you know, I never did any of that settlement building stuff ever in the first time. And it turns out it's pretty enjoyable. At least it was back like I don't know, six months or a year after launch. Actually, it was like a year and a half. Good on you for having the emotional stamina to play Fallout 4 again. Oh, I played it three times now. And I, I, that's why I said there's parts in that game that are really well done. And then there are parts of that game that are just not. <laughs> I love and Fallout I 4. I haven't played it that much. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know how many hours I've logged into it. Obviously, you know, I'd say probably around 80 total. Oh, yeah. I've played 40 hours more than you. So I guess that's. <laughs> Wait, that's just the yeah. way we play the game. <laughs> I, I played I played roughly forty hours of Fallout to beat it, and then I turned it off and never turned it back on. I, I don't hate the game. I got the platinum I, that I, game like a week after it came out. <laughs> oh my knew. gosh! I don't hate the game. I hate that I don't like it as much as other entries in the series. That's basically the best way I can describe it. I can see that. Um, Fallout Three New Vegas is hard to beat, or Fallout New Vegas. I hate when people say Fallout 3. I agree with that too, even though Chris thinks that that's objectively the worst one. What? It's 100% the worst game. Oh, no, sir. He says because, and he's not wrong, because you can play and beat the game by never going off of the main road. Again, a literal I, don't paved who, road. I don't know who would turn that game on and think to do that. That's, such a, that's like something someone describes so that people just throw it up as an argument. But the reality is, is that no one's going to turn that game on and only get on and walk that road and beat the game and be like, what the hell was that? You so would not accidentally game. stumble. You would not stumble into that. That's not I mean, how that game is really played. If you are trying to do the main quest, it is a straight path on a paved road, a literal <laughs> paved road. But I don't literal know who's going to play that game and literally get, I get you're right, but I don't know who's going to get in that game. Let me tell you right now. When I played this when I played Skyrim and you get out of the the keep from Helgen and you're going and he's like, "Hey, go visit my uncle." I have never played Skyrim and immediately went and visited his uncle. Every time I'm like, "What's that?" "Oh, what's that?" Yeah. yeah. Neither have and I. And the game but wants that- you to do that, right? Because you go, you you walk out of the thing, and the first thing you see is the dragon's crypt for the golden claw. Way up at the top, yeah. You're and like, that looks cool as hell. And you're like, why would I go talk to this dude's uncle when there's that? Todd Howard, I can go there. It's a mountain. <laughs> but there are absolutely people who would turn on a video game and be like, okay, I guess I'm just going to do the main quest. And when the main quest is a straight line on a paved path, 
it is objectively worse than the other ones. But the game introduces reasons for you to go off the path and do something else, and I don't think most people are going to not at least somewhat go into that. And the but reason I say the, that that's is not because most people having. don't actually use that argument, right? I would agree oh, with no. you if I've heard people say that's why I think Fallout is bad. Honestly, you're one of like the you're like the third person ever I've heard say that you can do that. And I had to I've look into it, that, and I was like, okay. I never heard that till the first time he said it. To yeah. be honest. So totally, in that yeah. point, it yeah. Technically, it exists that way, but and my nobody point for the has played that game and experienced it that way. It's so not it that it's the really worst matter. one. It's that it's worse. It's worse than Fallout 3. That is my argument. Oh, that's fine. It's better than Fallout 4, so I don't really care. Well, <laughs> Fallout 2. I guess those, those games need to come to Switch. They Fallout 1 and 2, the yes. originals. Well, those yeah. are, that's completely... I wouldn't even make an argument no, on No, they're completely games, different but, games. No, yeah. yeah they, they're they, they don't even belong... Wildly in, different. Yeah, the new games don't even belong in the same series, technically. I actually by how drastically different they are, but yeah. Either way, okay. We, we can, choice is going to be obviously. What is everybody's what's most the favorite Fallout? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I what's can't be on that straight episode. linear game. <laughs> so Mine is it actually going to be 2022 games? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay, good. And then we'll we'll keep everybody's game of the year for when the game of the year episode actually happens. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I'll probably repost that. Uh, it seems like it's going to be once you're back out of town, right? Or whatever it Should is that be. you're doing. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I think they said the 18th, or is it the 28th? Is the last weekend January 28th? I don't remember. <laughs> I know it is in February because February. Uh, Either way, yeah, we'll come back around to that. Uh, and Chris, do you think we'll be able to squeeze in It Takes Two by then? <laughs> it actually we might be the last try. week of February. <laughs> I might actually have to see because it's either okay. It's definitely not the 18th. It is the 28th. Okay, so we might be able to do it on the weekend of the, the 22nd. To, yeah. to, so it can come out the 24th. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll figure that out internally and let you guys know. But thank you for joining us on Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, Chris. Thank you for listening to me uh, berate Fallout Four. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, Bert, you're doing this horribly. Thank you all for listening to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. You guys can find us at Discord in the link below. You can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. We have a Facebook group called Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. And of course, you can find us on almost all podcast services and YouTube. If you uh, can't find us on podcast service, hit us up. We'll try to get on it. Um, and of course, you can help support us at patreon.com slash nartech, where just a dollar a month goes a long way for us. Um, we have a couple of patrons that have been with us since pretty much the start, and it's been great. And we're not one of the people that like spends all his Patreon money on like burritos and like McDonald's, even though we've joked about it. Uh, a lot of the stuff goes <laughs> to, to RSS feed costs and, and equipment costs for when something breaks down. And um, like next week, we're going to have to record remotely. And if it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't have a camera to do it on uh, anything, really. It wouldn't be doable at my house without that. So. <laughs> We appreciate each and every one of you. And speaking of each and every one of you, I'm going to let Brett get to reading all of you guys off. Thank you all. And we'll see you back for episode 244. Thanks, guys. And a big shout out to Salvador Garcia, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villalobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all. And remember, you can go to patreon.com slash nartech to give as little as a dollar per month.